Alleluia, Christ is risen. I speak to you in the name of the lover, the beloved, and the love between them. Amen. Perhaps you know what it's like. Perhaps you know what it's like to see an opportunity to wonder if you will be called, if you will be chosen. Perhaps you know what it is like to hope that you will be recognized, called out from the crowd for recognition, for advancement, for acclaim. Or perhaps you know what it's like to hope you won't get picked for this assignment. No thanks, you think. I don't want that job. Perhaps you know what it's like to want something so badly and then see it slip through your fingers. Or you know what it's like to be chosen to do something that seems utterly beyond your ability, scared to death that you'll be found out to be a fraud, an imposter, not up to the job. Well then, you know what it was like to be among the 120 believers gathered together when Peter stood up and told the crowd that they must choose one among them to take the place of Judas, so that there would again be 12 apostles, one for each tribe of Israel. Imagine yourself there among that crowd. Peter makes the announcement and the muttering begins. Who will it be? Could it be me? Perhaps folks started jockeying for a position, hoping to be picked, while others moved to the back of the crowd, hoping to become invisible. Then Peter announces the qualifications. The new apostle must have been among the followers from the beginning, Jesus' baptism, to now, the ascension. Two are plucked from the crowd, seemingly at random, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. The method for choosing? Rolling the dice. Picking from straws. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Matthias is chosen. Joseph Barsabbas is consigned to the dustbin of history. And what did they make of that? Did Matthias go on to great feats as an apostle? Did he regret being chosen, having to give up everything to follow? Did he fear he would never, ever measure up to those original 11? And what about Joseph Barsabbas? Was he bitter? Did he walk away from the assembly? Or did he stay spreading the gospel despite having to continue among the masses, no special title, no honor? And all because of the roll of a die. And here's the truth. 
we don't know what happened to them because neither is ever mentioned again in scripture after this moment. Perhaps both felt like Macbeth that life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. They shine for a brief moment and then nothing. Perhaps we wonder much the same about our own lives. Why has God given me so much? Why hasn't God given me enough? What is God calling me to? What is my role? Is God just playing dice with the universe, with my life? It's pretty normal to wonder if there is a plan for us, to wonder if we're following God correctly. And here we see that sometimes our lot is determined by, well, casting lots. Sometimes we are chosen for something dazzling. And sometimes we're not chosen at all. Still, in his prayer for his followers that we hear today in the gospel, Jesus prays to the Father, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. In other words, we are all chosen. We are all chosen to serve. The question is not whether, but how we'll serve. And while we each might ache to discover just what it is that God calls us to do in our own particular lives, while we might fear that we will only get one little hour upon the stage only to be heard from no more, that we might be Matthias chosen given a clear purpose, but most of us are Joseph Barsabbas, called to work out how to follow God in our own little ways, one among the crowd, yet still called to serve. After all, even if it is not crystal clear what the purpose of our own particular life is, we do know how to follow. Jesus prays that we will be in the world, the world that is hard, filled with trouble, damaged, and yet still so, so loved by God. And we are called to live so deeply in God's love that we can go out into the world and be loved. You see, Jesus asks that we be sanctified, which is a way of saying set apart to do a particular task. We're not called to follow all the ways of the world, ways of power and violence and selfishness. 
Rather, we are called, we are set apart to bring the ways of God to the world, ways of love and forgiveness, hope and redemption, truth and resurrection. Perhaps we long to be chosen like Matthias. Perhaps we fear that we'll be overlooked like Barsabbas. Perhaps it's alarming to realize that we are players on the stage for the brief hour of our life and then heard no more. But friends, we are all called, each and every one of us. We are all loved. We are all forgiven. We are all free in God. And that means, that means that everything, everything we do in love is not lost. Whether you love with a meal for the sick or love by bringing cookies to a funeral reception or love by bringing the beauty of music to worship or love by leading others in worship or love by teaching a class so that others might know God better or love by caring for your children no matter what. Whether you love by working to save this world from we harmful humans whether you love by visiting the sick or the dying or the imprisoned or the lonely, or whether you love by praying and praying and praying. As long as you love, then you have found your calling from God. For we are sanctified we are set apart by the love of God, and that love calls us to the things of this world. And that love means that each one of our lives, famous or humble, grand or simple, each one of our lives in love signifies everything. <laughs> 